Well, hey, welcome tonight. So good to have each and every one of you here. Listen, if you, uh, how many came by boat tonight or canoe? Let me see your hand. It was the monsoon rain, yes. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, thanks for joining us tonight. We know that you want to be here, but listen, I know you're playing it safe, and that is okay, but thank you for just tuning in and being a part of this service. How many believe that God has something for you tonight, amen? And um, I, I'm so excited that His Word is living and active, and it is for us tonight, and I believe that the Lord can speak to you. So thank you, uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor Blackburn, for just giving me the opportunity to share tonight. Just going to be sharing tonight on a subject called Crushed. And uh, you, you think, what in the world is that? Well, as we unfold tonight, you will know exactly what that means. Let me ask you a question right off the top. Let me ask this. How many of you own a pet? All right. How many own, own dogs? All right. Cats. I can see it out there. All right. Online. You can vote too. I see that hand. Thanks for voting online as well. But whatever it may be, I went in and just kind of looked at... Um, um, has anybody ever been bitten by a dog? Let me just ask that. Not a fun experience, right? So I went online and I began just to search, what would it be like if you were bitten by a dog? How many pounds of pressure would that be if you were bitten by a dog? And, and first I even backed up a little bit and thought about humans. <laughs> How many has ever been by, bit by a human? All right, you may not want to even uh, say anything about that, but did you know this? That if you were bit by a human, they have about 100 pounds of pressure if you were bitten by a human. Now, unfortunately, I remember when my oldest girl, she's 21 right now, but when she was in nursery at church, I remember picking her up and they would say, hey, um, your daughter has bitten another person. And the victim would come out, <laughs> I say that carefully, she would come out and you would see um, on their forehead a bite mark. Anyone ever experienced that? Your kids. And then it was embarrassing to say, uh, I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 I'm very sorry. We, we don't bite at the house. We don't know where she's picked this up. But we know this, that that could hurt, obviously. You know, if you look also at an animal, uh, let's say a Rottweiler, they have about 328 pounds of bite pressure if you're bitten. Now, at a very young age, I remember visiting some family, and while visiting the family, uh, they had a cocker spaniel tied up in the backyard, and I said, hey, can I pet the dog? And they said, well, sure, you can. So I went out to pet the dog, leaned down, and as I was petting the dog, the dog jumped up and bit me right in the face. And so I was traumatized for just a little bit, ran in the house and began just to say, hey, the dog bit me. And they're like, well, that's never happened before. Well, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, well, it just did. And, um, and so I after being traumatized, I, I, I'm a little skeptical around dogs, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Everything was okay, no hospital visits or any, anything like that. But living in Florida, here's what we also know. If there's an alligator, how many pounds of pressure does an alligator create? It is around 2,125 pounds of pressure that an alligator, if you are chomped by an alligator, hopefully... No one has ever been bitten by an alligator here in this place or watching online. But here's what I know, and this is what I believe. Right now, more than ever, we need a picture of how to live in a world that is experiencing a tremendous amount of pressure, people feeling crushed in life, and really kind of crippled by fear. People are feeling this. They feel a little bit misplaced, displaced, 
and out of place because of COVID and the different things because of the trickle effect that's happening in their life. We need a picture of how the church will overcome amid the hard hearts, the competing pressures, and even failure. But even more than that, we need to be a picture of what it means to have a harvest in the midst of something difficult in life. Amen? And that's what we need. And here's what I think, and this is what I believe. I believe that picture is you. I believe that picture is me. I believe that we are a living example of what it means to be that example to the world to say, hey, even among the pressure and feeling crushed and feeling overwhelmed, God has given us the strength within ourselves to be an overcomer, what his word has said, and we're going to proclaim that to everyone, show that to everyone, so people can understand, hey, that's how you make it through a difficult time. Now, I need your help tonight just a little bit in getting through this sermon, so I'm going to need you to kind of even share through your mask a little bit, but I need your help because I'm going to share with you about three different things and how we move through these three different things really is going to determine how we finish in life. It's going to actually shape us. And we've all experienced this. None of us is going to be exempt from the three things that I'm going to share with you tonight. So here's how I need your help. I'm going to say, how I respond will determine how I finish. And what exactly do you mean by that? Well, here's where I need your help. How I respond will determine, and you say, how I finish. Can we try it? Here we go. How I respond will determine... Exactly. How I respond to this, unexpected provision in life. Now let me turn with, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-11, through 11, and let me just share incredible scripture, and here's what the scripture says. It's Paul, he's writing, and he says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now let me just stop right there because that is a, that's a preaching point right there. In other words, have you seen it? It's a picture of whoever is sowing generously is going to reap generously. Whoever is going through life and, and reaping and sowing and sowing and then reaping is going to have a lot if you sow a lot. But if you sow just a little, you're going to get just a little. So each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. We've heard that, that verse many, many times. And it says this, God is able. Can you say that? God is able. Say it online. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, hear it close, that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Listen to this closely. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous, listen to this, on every occasion. Aren't we living in an amazing occasion right now going through COVID? And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And let me just tag this scripture on. I mean, if you wanted to have a great sandwich, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that was the peanut butter, but here's the jelly. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm, but plans to give you a hope and a future. Can you say amen right there? Amen? Now watch what happens. I know this. Have you ever been in a desperate situation, in a situation that required God to show up and make himself known? 
Every hand right here has gone up, right? Everybody online. Yeah, we've always been in some, of the, some type of situation. But here's what I love about Scripture. The Scripture begins to show us, and it, here again, it paints a picture of how God provides just enough, just in time. He provides just enough, just in time, at all times. And if you begin to flip through the pages of your Bible, you know it from a young child probably going to Sunday school, you've read these stories, but maybe you have not put it in the context of God shows up always just in time. He did it with the Israelites who were trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. And you remember as they were escaping and they were going away from that slavery that all of a sudden God performed a miracle through Moses and all of a sudden the Red Sea parted and there they go, they walk across on dry land. Why? Because God is a God just enough, just in time. And you remember Elijah when, when God says, hey, I want you to go eastward past the Jordan and when you go there, I'm going to supply your needs. And he told him, if you'll do this, if you will go to the brook, I'm going to send ravens, and ravens are going to feed you. They're going to bring you bread in the morning and some meat, and they're going to do the same thing in the evening. And the amazing thing is, can you believe that Elijah went down to the brook, and while at the brook, I love this part, that all of a sudden he had some bread coming from Crackle Barrel, and he had a nice little juicy New York strip that they were supplied at the brook because God is a God of just in time. And then the brook dries up, and what does God tell him to do? Hey, you need to go on down to Sidon. There's going to be a widow there, and that widow is going to help you. He finds the widow, and when he found the widow, he asks, Hey, can you give me some bread? So you give me something to drink. And she says, You know what? I'm taking some sticks back. I have just enough flour, just enough oil, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to cook our last meal for me and my boy. And then all of a sudden, Elijah said, Listen, If you'll do this, and I love how he says this because it's an amazing thing. First, if you will fix me some bread. And it it even goes, I just want a piece of bread. And then if you notice, the scripture says, hey, I don't want just a piece. I want the whole cake, kind of a small cake. Cornbread, cupcake, I don't know, but I would like it. How about you? And so she does. And when she does, she has just enough flour, just enough oil to make it until through the dry season, and all of a sudden, her son comes up sick, and who is it? It's Elijah that goes in and prays for her, intercedes for that, that boy, and he is raised from the dead. That is what it means to have just enough, just in time, because we serve a good God. And so when you look into your life, you look into your difficulty, you look into saying, hey, he is a God just in time to give just enough. I am so thankful for a Christian heritage that God has given me. I remember years ago being a youth pastor and God laid upon my heart and my wife's heart that we were going to introduce missions to our youth group. And in doing so, we had these principles that we taught our youth. We taught them seven principles. We thought, you know what? They're they're not going to remember a sermon probably, but maybe they'll remember some principles that we share with them. And some of the principles we shared were... Um, spiritual disciplines. You've got to have spiritual disciplines in your life. You've got to understand that um, authentic faith, what that means, moral boundaries from God's word, healthy friendships in life, making sure that you choose others first, wise choices, and knowing the ultimate authority. 
And so we begin to plan messages and, and outings and all that. But when we went to the others first, we began to think, you know what, how are we going to share what it means to serve somebody? And we said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take these kids on a mission trip. And so we found this place down in Mexico, and you have to understand, living in Arkansas at the time as youth pastors, man, there's some kids that have never been out of Arkansas or Missouri, let alone going out of state. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're saying, we're going to where? We need to have what? And all of a sudden, we began to have people so interested in this trip and going down, and it was my heart to do this. I wanted them to experience, and when they walk away from this mission trip, that they saw what God had done. And so we said this, we're going to go build homes. And we built a 12 by 16 home, one room, one window, I mean one door, that was it. And here's what these young people began to experience. They began to experience this, is that there were people who would tear their little shack down that had a dirt floor, would tear it down because they knew we were coming to build them a house. That's faith. Think about it. And so when they would tear it down and they knew that we were coming, we would build them a, a house and they would cry. They would be so thankful. But it was during that time when we began to raise money, I can tell you this, that the very first trip that we took, we went on a nine-day trip all the way to Mexico for $261. That's all it cost them. Why? We fundraised. We did everything that we could. I even reached out to some friends uh, that were attorneys at the time I went to high school with. I said, hey, we're going on this trip. Do you think you could help us out? Man, we get a $1,500 check in the mail, and I would just thank the Lord. It's going, I took and placed it all before uh, in the fund to help all those young people. I had young people writing letters. I had young people that received so much that their, pay, their trip was paid in full just like that. And here's what I began to think about. God is a God of unexpected provision in life. That's just one small area. We all have so many areas that we can think about and we can talk about, but here's what I began to see. When we took that first trip and they went down there and they began to experience what it was to, to go into a foreign country, it was my first time. The only poverty that I had ever seen was on TV. And when we walked in and we began to drive into the community that we were just uh, supposed to be ministering in and loving and building these homes, I remember a grandmother and probably a grandchild in a window. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what got all over me, but I just began to cry. Luckily, I had my sunglasses on and I could hide all of it. But something moved me, and ever since that day in 1999, it was the summer of 1999, I have been in love with missions of giving and being a part of what it means to give and be an, a, a, just an example of what it is to love people and help people. And those young people would go in and they would experience everything that was going on, excited about it. I remember this one time we were in there and you have to understand, I had some young people from Arkansas, and, and they were a little crazy at times, and, and uh, when we went into and to stay at this one place, we actually stayed in Texas, we go across the border every day, they had some, um, some types of, of trees that would grow all kinds of um, fruit and stuff, and they had jackrabbits. Everybody seen a jackrabbit? I mean, those things were huge jackrabbits just everywhere. Our guys got excited and thought, man, this man, I wish we had our bows and arrows and we could shoot. And I'm like, that sounds like Arkansas to me. So as a joke, I went to the, I went to the, um, the leader. I said, hey, we have a problem. 
He says, well, what do you mean, what's your problem? He says, I, I have a bunch of guys that have brought their compound bows and arrows, and they have, well, they have harvested a few jackrabbits here. I don't know what to do. Can you tell me what to do? And he looked at me, his mouth dropped, and he says, well, I guess we can cook them up. Let's just see what we need to do. He was all for it. But here's what I remember. I remember this, that lives are changed. God was a God of unexpected provision, helping us at every, every turn. You know what I love about Victory Church? I love that we have a pastor and leadership here that has a heart for missions. I love that they live and breathe missions and being able to reach out to the, the number of missionaries that we have. I love that we have a community here with a dream center that reaches out to those who need help in this community. I love that. I love it that we have a pastor who prays for wisdom even during this COVID time is that he is daily. You say, how do you know he prays for that? Because I hear him with my own ears. Pray for wisdom for our church and everything that we're going through. Can you say amen for that? You see, I've been on the receiving end of unexpected provision, and I have been on the giving end of unexpected provision. And you know what? You could be the unexpected provision for someone tonight, this week, the rest of the month, and during any time. And that's our responsibility as we walk through life. Amen? Number two, how I respond will determine? Okay, that was just a little weak. How I respond will determine? And I hope you're saying it online as well. How I respond to unavoidable problems in life. Listen to John 16, 33b. In this world, it says, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Have, I'm going to ask you, this, have you ever planted a garden? Whenever you plant a garden... I used to be into gardening and, and, I mean, plants, the hybrid tomatoes, planting those, and I would go get them from Lowe's, but if you started them from seed, the amazing thing that they do at Lowe's, and on every plant that you get, they have a picture of what's to come. You notice that? It's just kind of a leafy green substance, but what they do is they give you a picture, and on that picture they say, hey, in about 75 or 90 days, there's going to be a nice tomato on the other end of this. That is an incredible picture of what it is to have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. At some point, the water, the sunshine, everything is going to interact, and at some point, you're going to have a nice, juicy tomato. But while planting the good seeds in your life and seeing the fruit in your life, listen to this, sometimes there's an invader. Sometimes there's an invader in your garden, and let me just kind of describe it like this. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but when you have a nice juicy tomato, you're watching them grow, all of a sudden you have a tomato hornworm. I have a picture of it right up, up there. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but man, they are large. Everybody had the, one of those in your garden? First, they will scare you to death because they are so large, and just one can wipe out a tomato in a matter of hours. Unbelievable. It happens so quickly, and all of a sudden, you begin to have all these bugs, all these worms, everything is kind of destroying your garden. And I remember asking a guy one time who was an avid gardener, I said, listen, what do I do with all the bugs, everything that's going on? It's kind of destroying some of the garden. He says, you know what? He says, I want to tell you what my dad told me. He says, you got to plant enough for you and the bugs, and you're going to be just fine. Amen. I said, that's the wisest counsel I've ever heard about gardening. So just plant just a little extra and you're going to be okay. 
Now my question to you, are you experiencing an unavoidable problem? Now listen to me, if you're online, listen to me. Are you weary? You are single and you've been trying to raise these kids during COVID on your own and all these trying to to have school and all of those things and you're just worn out. Sometimes people even get deflated. You kind of feel the gut-wrenching kick of sickness. Maybe even during COVID you found out this, man, you've got cancer. How do you go on? What do you do? You feel discouraged. You've lost a job and you say, how am I going to make it through this time? You have doubt, and you begin to doubt, is there really a God? Is he really for me? And all of a sudden, the doubt leads to disappointment, and disappointment in life and relationships. And literally, here's what happens. You feel like the life has been sucked out of you. And you know what happens? A lot of times, you feel this weight, and you feel the pressure of everything that happens, and you feel like you're kind of suffocating, and you simply ask God, Where are you? We've learned to smile when things aren't going real well. But sometimes what we need to do is we need to learn to recognize when things aren't going well that maybe we need to hand it to Jesus a lot sooner than we usually do because typically we pick up worry instead of handing it to Him. And it's so easy to do. But what do you do? You cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. I mean, I remember years ago going into South Carolina, moving from Arkansas to going to South Carolina, and one of the very first funerals I had to officiate there was of a young man that was 18 years of age. His name was Julius, and he had been shot to death in front of his apartment complex. How do you explain to the mother that attends? How do you share? How do you love? Well, you just share the love of Jesus with them. A few years later, a young couple, a six-week-old baby in bed, they roll over. The baby suffocates to death. And you do the funeral of a young, young, six-week-old baby. And how do you explain to the mother? You see, it's an unavoidable problem that she went through and she walked through. Growing up in Arkansas, I had an opportunity, is what I'm going to call it, to go out to my uncle's house during the summers because they were, I want to say farmers, they raised chickens and turkeys. Anybody been on a chicken or a turkey farm? I remember taking my wife out to my uncle's house before we were married. This may not have been the greatest idea. And on the way out, we get to his house and she says, what is that smell? And my uncle's standing there, and she just says, that smells horrible. And my uncle just perks up, and he was always real witty, and he says, you know what? It smells like money to me, because that was his livelihood. So as a kid, I grew up going out to visit him a couple weeks out of the summer here and there on weekends, and when he needed help, I was there. And so part of my job was going to this chicken or turkey house, and if you, if you know anything about it, you have to spend a lot of time with these things. Every night, we, we did what you would call put them to bed. About 10 o'clock, we'd hop on our four-wheelers and three-wheelers and head and check all the different turkey houses and make sure everything was okay. He first started raising chickens, then he moved to turkeys. 
But one of the things that we did every morning, and I know why he did this now, I wasn't too smart back then, but he said, hey, you're going to get paid for this and you're going to have a good time. But really, I was just some good labor. You know what I'm talking about? And so we would go and we'd pick up dead chickens. And then we'd have to put them in the back of a truck and there was a dump site. But I remember going over and I remember walking through this chicken house with thousands and thousands of birds. And the horrible thing was is that the chickens would always pick on the weakest member and really peck the weakest member to death. You would go through and you'd pick up the dead. And, and I remember that when you would reach down and pick it up, it, it wasn't your normal chicken. It, would, had, it had changed colors, I would say. That's the best way to say it. It was no longer kind of whitish in color. That It was a different color. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was dead. It was diseased. And at the end, whenever you picked them all up, there was a board on the side of the chicken house that you would go over and you would write down the number of dead chickens. Someday you may have 10, someday you may have 50, someday you may have 60, and you would think, oh my goodness, look how many we're losing. But what we didn't do is turn around and say, well, look how many of them are living. Unavoidable problems. Now, as we look at it, listen to this. Sometimes we forget to look at the good things in life, even though we're going through the difficult things in life. You're going to remember this song. It, it, it reminds me of this song. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. You know the song, don't you? Pastor is here, he'd be singing it. I'm not going to do that tonight because that would be not, it would not be good. But you get the point. You see, my condition doesn't determine my position with God. Each of us in our own ways, you know what? We are terribly broken and incredibly bright in life. And sometimes we see our lives in pieces instead of a whole. And listen, we, we're all a thousand piece puzzle trying to make sense of life and going through the difficult times. But I believe God sees the individual pieces, but he sees them all fitting together when we can't see that. Because he's God. Unavoidable problems that we walk through. Now help me out here. How I respond will determine how I finish, right? Number three is this, that you have an unquestionable purpose in life. If you respond to this correctly, listen, you're going to finish strong. Now I want to go back to Jeremiah 29, 11, for it just simply says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Proverbs 19 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Job said this, you know the difficulty that he went through, he lost so much, his livelihood, his family, and he says this, I know that you, speaking of God, can do all things, no plan of yours can be thwarted. God doesn't allow cuts in our life to kill us, but to heal us. 
In other words, we don't go through the difficult things because God does not like us. We're going through difficult things because God is shaping us and He wants us to finish strong in life. Imagine this, someone walking through a back alley, someone jumps out, has a knife, and they are stabbed. And then you can imagine that somebody having incredible back surgery, back pain, and goes under the blade, that those two people, your body really responds the same, but the body has experienced a knife in it, but it's all because of the intent. The intent each produces a distinctly different outcome. In the midst of suffering, we've got to allow ourselves to find faith without denying the truth. You see, we think that we are being buried alive. We are suffocated by the severity of our circumstances, but being planted and being buried all kind of feels the same way. And so then I have to do this. I have to really understand God doesn't allow this, these cuts in my life, these difficulty things in my life to kill me. He's wanting to heal me through the process. And so all of a sudden, I arrive at this truth. God is, was burying me. He was not out to get me, but I have to trust in who he is. Now, let me, let me share with you two incredible scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then Romans eight thirty five says it this way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, there is this picture, an incredible picture of the good, the painful, and then the impossible that we are going to bear. It is opposite of what shame produces. When we go through difficult times and we feel the shame and we experience, it's, it's, it, shame does this. It's life in pieces, lived in pieces, by people broken into pieces. But when you live a wholeness in front of an almighty God, that when you expect and experience that unexpected provision, the unavoidable problem, but you know that you have purpose in life, wholeness is life without walls. It's all things like Romans chapter 8 says. It's all of those things working, God loving us, me loving him. And then all of a sudden we realize that all things in life have purpose and meaning. But here's what happens. If we continue to wall that off, whatever we keep back, whatever we kind of uh, keep back from God becomes abscessed. It becomes separated, unconnected, unsurrendered. And it stands apart from the process of working everything together for the good. There simply has to be this moment we say this, I'm going to place it in your hands, whatever we're walking through, the difficult situation, because I know this, that God has a greater purpose in life. And if you want to understand an incredible truth, here's what has to happen. If you want to find purpose in all, purpose this is what has to happen. Truth and trust must hold hands in the belly of your soul. Not fear and faith. Fear and faith can't hold hands that way. But truth and trust can hold hands. And people are going to look back and they're going to say, well, how did you make it through all this difficulty? How did we get through this time? And we can just simply say, you know what? Psalms 3.3, 3, 
But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Amen? It's always turning to the Lord. It's always trusting in him. It's allowing his purpose to work in me and through me. And here's what we're beginning to hear now. And everything is canceled. We walk through those stages. This is canceled, and that is canceled. And my goodness, what else? What's going to be next? Let me tell you this. Tomorrow morning, there's going to be a sunrise, and it's not canceled. It's, you know what? Joy comes in the morning. And whatever we're walking through now, it's going to be okay in the morning. Guess what? Summer is not canceled. Can you feel the heat? Amen? Fall is not canceled. Why? Because God has put things in motion, and it is going to happen. Relationships are not canceled. Love is not canceled. Serving is not canceled. Reading is not canceled. Devotion is not canceling. You know what? Serving people, it's not canceled. Music, thank God that we can worship Him in spirit and truth, it's not canceled. Kindness is not canceled. Conversations, it's not canceled. Hope is not canceled in life. Can you say amen for that? And love, God's love for His people, guess what? It's not canceled. We have to make sure that we shift from what we're looking at in, the, in our, our eyes. We've got to make sure that we lift our eyes to a God who knows all, is all-powerful, and can help us through difficult times. Now I'm going to end with this verse, and this is going to wrap everything together, and this is what Psalms 138 says as the worship team comes. Listen to what it says. I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 7, and 8. It says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Now get this, that is unexpected provision because he is a faithful God. You can look at it in your life right now and you could say, yes, he is faithful. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. That's what I'm trusting in and that's what I'm believing in. Verse 7 says this, though I walk in the midst of trouble... That's the unavoidable problem. You persevere in my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. In verse 8, the Lord, the Lord will fulfill his purpose. There it is, the unquestionable purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. You know what? When everything is said and done, it says in my Bible... The Lord is going to fulfill his purpose. And can I tell you this? He's going to fulfill his purpose in your life. He's going to help you no matter what you're walking through, what difficulty you may be up against. If you're walking through that unavoidable problem right now, guess what? God loves you and God cares for you. He is for you and not against you. He is not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He's walking right beside you. Remember, his love is not canceled. If you're here tonight, if you're watching online, and you, know, you say this, you know what? At some point, that message right there spoke and gripped something down inside of my life. And I know I need to give some things, I need to cast some cares upon Him because He cares for me. You've been carrying it for way too long. Maybe you're watching and you say, you know what? I've never given my life to Jesus I've never asked him to come into my life. We're here in just a moment. We're going to pray a simple prayer, and I want you to pray that. 
Is there something that maybe tonight you just need to give to him? And if you're here tonight and you could say this, yeah, there's just a few things that maybe I'm going to give to him tonight. Could you just raise your hand simply? I want to pray for you and I want to believe the Lord with you right now. Just raise your hand wherever you're at. Amen. We're going to trust him online if that is you. Remember, it doesn't matter where you're at, in your living room, your kitchen, you may be listening, driving your car. You can turn it all over to him. Why? Because he loves and cares for you. you to bow your head and we're going to pray. Repeat after me, dear Lord, dear Lord I thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for your goodness. I, recognize tonight I recognize tonight your provision. Your provision. Even while walking through a difficult problem. Even while walking through a difficult problem. And tonight, tonight I want to ask you into my life. I want to ask you to help me during this difficult time. Lord, would you help me with everything that you have? Thank you, Lord, for giving of yourself and loving me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We serve a faithful God, amen. He is so good. Listen, I want to encourage you this Sunday, be here. We're going to have some great things. The worship team, they're going to just end with a song, but we are so thankful that you are here tonight, you are listening online, continue to, to listen in. God is a God of, uh, His word is timeless and timely, and He's going to do great things. Would you worship with us as we close tonight? Hallelujah. Let's raise this prayer together. It's a vow to Him tonight. Say, I will. I will build my life upon your
so grateful for the presence of the Lord in the room tonight, and we can't wait to see you again on Sunday morning. Go in peace. Be safe, church.